Good morning again. Good to see your smiling faces. Are you going to be well fed with the Word of God? We pray so, yes. We pray that we eat the words like honey and, and, and let it stir our souls. Amen? Well, I don't know. It's a glorious day here because we're going to chapter 4 of Philippians. We broke into it. We're starting right now. So we're going to read through some verses, and then let's just talk about it a little bit today. So here we go. Philippians chapter 4, after all these long months of plodding through this. It says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. I plead with, now we're going to be saying these names a couple times today, and I, I will listen to my blue letter Bible. I listened to that guy say them. It didn't help me any. We're just going to call it. Anybody got any good suggestions for me? Udia? <laughs> I don't know. So I'll probably say it seven different times, different ways. Yudia and Sintichi. <laughs> say that one to your first grade teacher. <laughs> Sintichi or Sintiki or Sintich or whatever. I don't know. I plead with them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the case of the gospel, along with Clement. Now, that's an easier name, Clement. Thank you for putting Clem in the, in the scriptures. And the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Here we go. We've made it through uh, uh, an intense chapter three, and now we get to chapter four. And the very first word in chapter four is, what's the word? And when you see the word therefore, you have to find out what it's therefore. Very good. Let's say that again. When you see the word therefore, you have to find out what it's therefore. Right. So we know that the word therefore is a connector word. And so everything after the word therefore hinges on what was before for or whatever. And so the verse, the verses right before that, I mean, it was all of chapter three, but this is what he ended with, just to refresh your memories a little bit. This is what we finished with last time. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So this, he's ending on this, chapter three, he's just ending on this high note. He's like, remember right before that, he was talking about kind of the false guys. He's like, there's, there's people in the church that they're not, like, they're not living for God. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But he's saying, but you guys are different. You guys, you've got a, your citizenship is in heaven. You're from a different country, right? You've got a different set of values and a different set of ideals than, than your dual citizenship, your, your other country's citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven and we wait this savior and we have this hope, not to get caught up on this, but we wait this hope that, that God's going to make this all right. Like that that lowers our anxiety in this life, that you don't have to have everything in the grip of your control when you see things wrong. We want to pray. We want to press into that. We want to, all the things that we were talking about earlier today, we want to act on that. But at the same time, there's going to come a time where God's going to make things right, right? He's, he's going to, like, he's the just judge. He will come and handle things, and we're going to get a brand new body, and you're not, who, who wants to never be tired again? <laughs> Come on. Who wants to never have achy joints again? Raise your hand, right? 
Who wants to, uh, and we get to eat, so we know that's good. I know that's godly, right? Because there's going to be the marriage supper of the lamb. There's going to be fruit from the trees, right? So praise God that, that we still get to eat, right? I love that. But we're not going to even maybe be hungry. I, we don't know for sure, but certainly not debilitating. This body's going to be full of life. Full of life. And that's coming. And that's something real. That's not a pie in the sky, kind of a fairy tale. That is real. Your body's going to be transformed. So that's he ends with this, ends chapter 3 with this. He was exhorting them and challenging them and then saying, watch out for these, these other guys that aren't living how they're supposed to be living. They're saying that they're walking with God, but they're not. Then he ends with this glorious kind of, ah, this trumpet, like, but us, we're, you know, hey, we live differently and we're going to live differently. We live now differently and we're going to live differently forever, forever with no pain, with no sadness, no sorrow, only purpose and life and glory. That sounds good. So then we get to the next chapter uh, four and verse one, what we just read. And he said, therefore, so he's saying, you've got this hope coming up. You're of a different, you're of a different country. So then he's like, therefore, what? Well, let's find out what therefore is. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for my joy, and my crown, stand firm. Look at somebody say, stand firm, stand firm. We heard that earlier today. We need to stand. You need to stand. Tell someone you need to stand. Not like stand up. I mean, stay sitting. But you need to stand in Jesus. Jesus has this vision for your life. And it is not of you being wishy-washy and weak and wimpy and beaten down and swept away. He calls you oaks of righteousness. Come on. Turn to somebody and say, get some roots. He wants you planted and girthiest. That is not a word, but it is now. <laughs> like, not fat, like, not you need to work out more, but like, he wants you wide in the Lord, right? Firm. Say firm. Come on. He wants you firm. He wants to pump you up. Remember that? Anyone from the 80s remember that? No? Okay, that's probably good. We, here's what we had re read in chapter 3. Paul said, he's using, look at all these words. Here's God's picture for your life. Here's what he wants to see for your life. For your life. Ebony? Yes. Right? Greg? John? Yeah? Lance? Crystal? For your life. This is for you. He wants you to see you press on. Come on. Straining forward. Pushing on. Forgetting what's behind. Living for that upward call. Not living down here. Not living for your neighbor's call on your life or, or the school's call on your life or some popular culture's call on your life. There's a call from heaven on your guys' life. Come on. There's a call from God on every one of your life. He wants you to follow godly examples. This was all in chapter 3. He wants you to carry out God's will and purposes. He wants you to live up to what you've already attained. Do you see God just doesn't want you just to maybe get through this? He wants you to excel and exceed. He wants you to step forward, live up, press on. And now he adds one more. Paul switches chapters and he adds one more to that. He wants you to stand firm, right? Thank you, you two guys. He wants you to stand firm. He wants you to be solid. Come on, flex at someone and say solid. Come on, solid. 
He wants your walk with God, your faith in him to be rock solid. Hey, doubts come, right? Attacks come. Weariness comes. But his vision for you is to stand firm. Temptations come. The devil starts talking. Anyone ever heard voice? Not like voices, but you know what? The chatter in your brain. Remember the chatterbox? Anyone ever heard? And you're like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. I'm standing strong. I'm standing on what I know to be true. And that's what he's saying is stand firm. So that's our first point for today is God's vision for your life is not like... Sometimes our prayers are like, God, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I can hang on. And, and like, while he's empathetic towards that, he's not coming along to say, oh, I know, it's so tough, isn't it? You're just barely going to make it, aren't you? Shut up. God's saying, no, come on, press on, stand up, walk forward, stand firm, be strong in the Lord. And you, what does that remind you of? Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, stand firm, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, stand firm, come on, stand firm, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, stand firm, right? Doesn't mean you need to be out on the street and be like, right? But just, you're standing firm and not moved by the things that want to move you your own fleshly doubts and desires and temptations and the voice of the world and the voice of the enemy. God knows that stuff is there. He's not clueless about it. He's not clueless about your weakness. And still, this is the vision that he paints over your life. Come on, Lauren, stand firm. He's circling your life today, and he's saying, I'm talking to you, boy, girl. Come on, stand firm. Stand firm. I'm talking to you. This is for you. That ain't for a super Christian down the road. Shut up. That's for you. I said we talked about this. I was going to do very much better at saying shut up, right? We decided, my mom and I, my mom and I had this conversation. She said, maybe you could pick a different word. <laughs> it's true. Well, I'll get better. But since I'm already in trouble today, I know I did. I went a long time because we're falling into old ways again. But I just kind of feel like it's appropriate today. Yep, stand firm. Yep, come on, shut up, stand firm, right? We're not going to be influenced by the things that want to pull us to the left and to the right. We've got our eyes set on Jesus. We are focused in. And I feel, oh, I feel, oh, your feelers, that's okay. Come on, we're not giving in to our feelers. We're telling our feelers, shut up. That's when it's appropriate to say shut up. We're telling our feelers, shut up. I'm standing firm on the word of God. I know what God has spoken to me, and I know what God's called me to, and I'm rising up to that occasion because, you know what? I'm weak. You're right. I recognize that, but in him I'm strong. Come on, when that spirit of Jesus comes in me, I am strong. You know what? My life is just a balloon. Right? But you know what? When the spirit of Jesus is in you, you start looking a lot bigger than you really are. <laughs> Come on. When the breath of God is in you, you start looking a lot bigger and a lot stronger than you really are. Come on. When the Holy Spirit is animating your life, you start looking a lot stronger than you really are. That's be... I don't know. Oh, yeah. G girthy... Girthiness or something. No. What's that? Yeah, well, yeah, I had a different word for Jody earlier this, this week, waffling, wafflingness. <laughs> so I was going back and forth with our times and stuff. Yeah, I'm making up lots of words this week. 
So he's saying stand firm. And uh, now I want you to see Paul's heart for people here. We're going to go, we're going to look at some different parts of this verse. And I want you to just catch his heart. Catch the, (laughs) have you ever had a conversation, kids and parents, husbands and wives, where you're saying one thing, but your tone is saying something else? (laughs) Fine. Fine in those situations does not mean it's fine. It's everything's going to be all right. Fine means danger ahead, (laughs) right? Right, ladies? Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. Callie, because sometimes she has trouble with her words. Sorry is, we would make her say sorry. when she. Well, sorry has become, in her mind, sorry is, I don't like this. So she'll start saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. And that's not, she's not apologizing to you. <laughs> she's saying, I, I don't like what's happening here right now. But I want you to hear Paul's tone. Now, this is, this is a letter. It's written and, and it's translated, so we don't even have the original. We do have the original, but like we're reading translated words today. It's always tough. Does anyone struggle sometimes with getting the meaning behind some people's texts? <laughs> right. Texting is a horrible way to have difficult conversations. Please listen to me. Here's your freebie of the day. If you are texting very important things or messaging or any form of digital communication, things that need to hear your heart behind it, you are not doing a good thing. <laughs> okay? You are going to be misunderstood. Talk to people in person. At least on the phone, you can hear inflections. In, in messages, you cannot. So we have lots of trouble that gets stirred up in our lives because we get misinterpreted. Oh, what they mean by that? Oh, look at it. It's right here. Just talk in person if you can, if, if they need to hear your heart behind things. Don't, don't do it on the phone or computer, okay? That's just your little nugget for today because all of our communication has tone behind it. It has facial expressions. It has body language behind it. And so we're going to try to, we're going to, try to discern Paul's tone here. We're getting a text from Paul, but we're going to try to see if we can glean out of that his tone here. He says, you know, stand, stand firm, but who's he talking to? He says... Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you you whom I love and long for. Now, just stop. How many times do we just read the Bible and you don't even really realize what you're reading? Now, if I just came out in 2022, okay, and I'm like, Justin, I long for you. (laughs) Things are getting really creepy, really weird, really fast. But I want you to see this word here, my heart long, like we don't talk like that these days. And so you read your Bible, we read through these things and we're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I read my Bible today. Come on, like just think about what he's saying here, right? George, I long for you. (laughs) Our, our, Our culture is so, well, theirs was too, so... In the middle of that culture, people probably would have taken that the wrong way as well because their, their culture was saturated with sexuality and, and, and impurities as well. But Paul was just standing in the purity of the Lord saying, I, I long for you guys. I long for you. I love you, right? Dear friends, my joy and my cry. Look at, look at all of the words that he uses just in that one sentence to talk about how much... How much he loves, like he says it over and over, and this is NIV, but let's look at it in NASB, the New American. He says two words right the same. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, my beloved. He just called them my beloved. 
Let's look at this verse. Uh, Jesus was the Son of God, correct? Agree? Okay. In Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. Listen, and a voice, say a voice. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The word is agapetos. Agape love, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love. Remember Phileo and Storge and, and uh, all those? Like agape love, God love. It's, it's like, it's, it's the root is agape and it's agapetos. I, you're my beloved. I, I love you with agape love. Paul was saying, he started, you know, the verse before that, he started out and that's the exact same word. Therefore, my agapetos, brothers, Stand firm in the Lord this way, my agapitos. Like, it's really redundant. He's like saying, I love you, blah, blah, blah. I really, really love you. Like, yeah, you just said that. He's like, no, I'm going to say it again for emphasis. And Paul is saying, and this is written to the Philippian church, right? Paul's in prison, and he's writing to them, and he's saying, you're my joy, my crown, I long for you. I agapitos you. I'm loving you with the same. I look at the Philippian church in the same way God the Father looks at Jesus. I think some of you are sleeping. Look at me. What's that? What do you say in school? Eyes up front. Come on. Paul is looking at the people that he's writing to in the same way that God the Father was looking at Jesus, saying, I'm pleased with you. How often do we look at people like that, with that kind of love, that kind of love? So I just want you to catch Paul's heart here for people. And he says, you're my joy, same, same sentence here. He said, you're my joy and my crown. And we're gonna look at a different verse in 1 Thessalonians. Paul says this to the Thessalonian church. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Listen to this, what he says. He says, is it not you? Is it not you? Point at somebody. It's you. Indeed, he's saying, for sure, for real. You're our glory and our joy. You are our glory and our joy and our hope and our crown. Paul's amazing joy, Paul's joy, Paul's tangible joy came from his investment in the lives of others and the fruit that Jesus was producing in them. So the question is, where are you searching for joy? Obviously, it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? But Paul is saying, I'm, I'm holding joy in my hand. It's not just coming out of me. Like I've, I'm possessing joy, and it's you, Patrick. And it's you, Ed. It's you, Jody. It's you, right? He's saying, you're my joy. And then he says something kind of, that would have been kind of weird. He says, and my crown. You're my joy and my crown. And, it, and the, the word is wreath. And it's, it's the, it's, remember those old Athens, kind of the, you know, the wings and whatever. And there's that wreath around their heads. That's what he's talking about. And the only way that you got one of those wreaths is if you won in the Olympic Games. 
And that's, so that's what he's saying. He's saying, you are my Olympic gold medal. You are my Nobel prize. You're my Super Bowl ring, my Heisman trophy. You're my PhD and my doctorate. You're whatever achievement, that's you. You are that joy and that crown for me. This is weird. Like, can we agree this is a little weird language? Like, we don't talk about people that way these days. And yet, here's Paul saying, I'm investing my life in you, and you guys are my joy. I, I long for you. Like, Paul's heart was being just, I wish I could be out of this prison and be with you guys, but I'm not. I've, I've got to be here. And he's, he's talking about this intense longing in his heart to help them and love them and see them grow and just want you to know that Paul was just yearning for these people and they held such a place in his life and that just seems odd today it seems odd in 2022 when when things and identities are valued and people are disposable Paul is saying no Jesus is ultimate and you're my crown and my joy like it's it's backwards from how we see things in 2022 and I and I think for a bad reason so can you say that you've got a place in your heart for people like Paul did? And, and he said, all these brothers and sisters, people that I love, my joy, my crown, my beloved. So what, here's the question today. What's preventing your heart for, from embracing people that way? What keeps us from loving people like that? Like we've seen it like in this Philippian church, there's just extravagant communication and display of love and elevation of who they are and the crown that they are in his life. So what, what is preventing our heart from that and what would we need to change in order to hold people with that much love and esteem? Man, can you imagine what it would look like? And I think, I think we're taking great steps to get there. But imagine if you had groups of people like this planted all over the United States that are loving that extravagantly, that are saying that the crown, crowning achievement in my life is the work that God's, I'm investing in you and that God's doing in your life. It's, it's, my, it's my companionship with you. It's my investment in you. It's my mentorship of you. It's my learning from you. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's me pouring out my heart for you, and that's what is my crown in my joy. And instead, we find joy in, or try to, in stuff, or in temporary things, or in something that's got me jazzed up for the moment. And, and God wants us to enjoy a lot of that stuff, but when you try to milk that for something eternal, that's when we run into problems. Paul said, I know you guys are eternal. You guys are eternal. Look at someone and say, forever. forever. Come on, you guys are eternal. And Paul is saying, I'm making this little investment of my life, right? Life exchange, my life for his, and I'm going to invest that life in you. And that's eternal. That's forever and forever and forever. I mean, just for those of you that are over, over 30, you know, or, or even, you know, well, 28, you kind of still know everything. But <laughs> when, you get, when you get 30, you're like, yeah, I don't know nothing. How many, how many have seen things in, just in our country that you would have never thought that you would ever see, right? Like, like things change quickly. And this is temporary. Whatever you might think is solid and eternal, if it's not in Christ, it's not. It can just be washed away like that. So Paul's like, I'm, I'm making my eternal investment in you. And you're my crown. I love to see what God's doing in you. Hmm. 
That was that was Pastor Mike's heart and sentiment last night. You know, I got man. I love you guys as pe- I love your people. I love I love their hearts. I love like Pastor Mike was was participating just in a little bit of the enjoyment and the joy and the the crown that you guys are. Think to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud, but just think to yourself. I'm a crown. Huh, I'm a crown. I'm somebody's crown. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, question. These guys are famous for, you can talk to me today. They're famous for, let's see, this is from the Bible. Thomas, you guys ever heard of Thomas before? What's he famous for? <laughs> yeah, you guys know that. I thought I'd start with an easy one. Peter, it could be a couple things, but what? Did, yep. Yep. What'd he do on the water? Walked, yeah. So he's got a few things, yep. That guy, what did he do? Yeah, he's famous for betrayal. A couple things. I mean, you could pick a bunch of things with David, but... Yep. Uh, really, really, really big guy. And, uh, yep, Goliath, yep. I mean, he's got... Like, you just you instantly recognize the names, and you instantly know this guy. Yeah, exactly. We were just talking about that in youth. So Napoleon being short, right? So at the other night... And he actually really wasn't that short, but that's kind of like, that's what he's famous for. How horrible to be famous for something that wasn't actually really true. But that's the one thing that you're kind of famous for. And so we talk about people that are known. And is the only thing that Napoleon did in his life was be short? Or did he do other things? He did other things, right? You know, David, you know, Judas, did he do things other than betray Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. We don't remember any of those. You know, Thomas, right, right, the poor guy. Like, just, like, not that much later in the scripture, he's like, let's go die with Jesus. No one remembers that part. <laughs> right? They remember the doubting Thomas. Isn't it? Isn't that so true? Human nature, right? We, we, all the beautiful things that we do in our life, that doesn't get remembered. But the one th- the bad thing that we do, that's what we get known for. Yes, exactly. And so we're jumping into this scripture here, back into Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at Iodia and Sintichi. This is the only time that they are mentioned in the Bible. 66 books in the Bible, one time they're mentioned. You want to know what their claim to fame is? They could not get along. Great. Anyone ever said you had to take a picture at that moment? Right? I've been in a beautiful outfit and sitting like this all day, and you got to wait till the one time that I've got my ugly work shirt on and taking a bite of cake, right? You wait for that one time. This is a snapshot that is unfortunate, but it's, it's revealing for us. The one thing that these two ladies have as their claim to fame is they could not get along. And so Paul is making this, this plea for them to get along. And so I just thought this thought, history is marked with their disagreement. Who are you marking with yours? Just let that just kind of soak in. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Or maybe you guys have never had disagreements. Okay, I wasn't sure because you're still not convinced, convincing to me. Raise your hand if you've ever had a disagreement. Okay, that's most of you. And the other ones are lying. <laughs> Paul's saying, come on. They're like, we got to keep the big picture in mind here. And so he said, uh, he said this. He said, I plead with 
Yodia, and he repeats it again. I plead with Sintichi or whatever, however you say their names. And he, he wanted to make sure that he was making a plea to each one of them. Because what do we want when we're in the middle of an argument? I want to be right, and I want you to tell me that I'm right and they're wrong. And Paul was just making this plea, and the plea is for unity and to be of the same mind, and we'll talk about that. It'll be of one heart, right? Kind of like, guys, take a step back and look at the big picture here. Come on. Get with the program. Like, I love you guys, right? He just got done pouring out his heart, and now he's saying, but I, I plead with you, and he's, he's making a plea to this one, and he's making a plea to this one. And what he's saying is, I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care who's right. I don't care who got wronged. I don't care the details of the situation. I'm sure they're important to someone, not to me. He's saying, I've got God's things in mind. And he's like, I need each one of you to step up. Like, we're not going to resolve this by finding out who's right. We're going to resolve this by finding out who's holy. We're going to find out, we're going to resolve this by finding out who's humble. We're going to resolve this by finding out who's saved, right? Come on. Who's willing to do life exchange? And he's saying, I'm, sh I'm sure there's probably important things that you're arguing about, but come on. We've got to set those things aside and press on to the things that really matter. And he challenges them with this. Be of the same mind. Be of the same mind in the Lord. And just a, two chapters earlier, in chapter 2, Paul made this plea to the Philippian church. He said, therefore, if you have any encouragement, this is in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and comp compassion, like he's laying out the gauntlet here. If you've received anything from Jesus, then you need to what? Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. That's, that was just in chapter 2, and now in chapter 4, he's pleading individually with these two ladies. Come on. Like, it's probably really important, but it, what's more important is your agreement, being of the same mind. And so he says, be like-minded. And I, and I love this little progression here, all right, for you uh, spiritual nerds. Just watch this progression. Here's, here's kind of the goal. Here's what he said in chapter 4. This is what he said in chapter 2. So in chapter 2, he gives us a little progression. He says, be like-minded. Has anyone ever found it difficult to be like-minded with someone? Oh, can't believe they think like that. How can they be so stupid? Like, you guys would never say that, right? Because you're much more holy and righteous than that and would never think that one of God's creation is stupid. But our flesh wants to say, how can they be so dumb, right? And so it's tough to be like-minded, and I love that Paul gives us a little progression here. He says, okay, then, have the same love. Like, okay, well, I, th I think they're dumb, and how they're thinking about this situation is dumb, and I just I don't even like being around them. Okay, but uh, Jesus says we're supposed to love. Agree or disagree? We're supposed to love. Yeah. Agree? Yeah. Okay. I'm supposed to love you. You're supposed to love me. You can't stand being in the same room together, but you know what? God's changing our hearts. All right, and he's going to help us agape one another, make a decision, not a feeling. All right, we're going to love you. And so I feel like Paul's just kind of saying, okay, if you want to have the same mind, start climbing the ladder. Get your, get your first foot up there. Get that, hit the rung, get it on the rung. All right, start loving. Make a choice to start loving. Put the other person's need above yours. And then it says, being one in spirit, 
okay, well, we can be one in spirit. We can worship together. So all of a sudden in this moment where we're worshiping, I'm loving you. We're maybe doing spiritual things together. Okay, we're one in spirit, and, I'm, and I've already made the decision to love you. And then the third rung of the ladder, he's like, of one mind. He's like, if you step up the ladder, I, I just love you, you know, being like-minded and of one mind, it starts and it ends. They're all in chapter two of Philippians. But I feel like he just kind of throws out the goal, and then he pulls back and he's like, yeah, I think you might think that's a little too big of a deal, especially with the people that you think are dumb, which they're really not because they think you're dumb too. So you guys all need to back up a step, stop thinking that, and start loving then be one in spirit, right? Like do spiritual things together. You find out when you start praying with people and when you start worshiping with people that all of a sudden some of that other stuff starts melting away. And then he says, all right, here's the goal then, that ultimately we're going to be of the same mind. Doesn't mean you're going to think exactly the same, but you're going to have the core of your mind together. Another, another version in ASB says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, and I love this, intent on one purpose. I, read my, my, I think my only two quotes out of a book today, uh, we usually have lots, but today is very little. Uh, Donna Markova says, during the Second World War, there was a street in London where certain families had not spoken to one another for decades. They held on to resentments of transgressions long past, from one generation to the next. As London was mercilessly bombarded during the Blitz, these families were forced to share the same air raid shelter. Faced with a common mortal threat, they forgot their grievances in no time at all. Friendships were struck. People who had not spoken for years began to support and help one another, swap jokes, and laugh together. Many, listen, many of the barriers keeping us apart are actually optional. Present only in our minds. If you paid for admission today, that's worth the price of admission right there. Come on. Many times what is keeping us apart is actually optional. Like sometimes we just need someone to walk up and say, you don't have to be mad anymore. We're like, wait, that's a choice? <laughs> I feel like we get so stuck. They're like, no, just put it in the clutch and pull it in neutral. Like that's all you got to do. Wait a minute. I can do that? You can. A lot of this stuff that we're so grumbly about towards other people is in our own heads. It's how we're perceiving things. It's, it's preferences. It's, you know, it's, it's often just a lot of selfishness. But if we can get past that, we can find out that you have permission to just say, okay, I just give you permission today. Consider yourself permissed. <laughs> Jody, can we use that? Is that another? Jury's out on that one, yeah. But consider yourself permissed. You have permission today that it is optional. So if you've been just grumbling and hanging on to something, just do this with me. Everyone, raise your right hand. Let go. Just open up. Yep, that's it. It's all gone. You did, like, it's that easy. Just stop. Just, you, it's optional. You don't have to keep holding grudges and being angry. Right? Come on. And then I love this next part. We have a guy that he says, he says my true companion, just, just before I get to the verse here, we don't know who that is. It could be Luke. Uh, it could be the Greek word for my true companion. Could be an actual name. They don't really know who it is. But anyways, Paul's saying, some guy, whoever you are, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to name your name. The church would have known. Oh, also think about this. Rem think about this for a second. 
These letters were not given in letter form as we have them today. They did not pull open the Bible app and read the letter to the Philippians. They went to church and listened as one guy read this for the very, very first time. And as said guy came up for the very first time, unrolled the scroll, read this letter, imagine being Yodia and Sintichi, whatever you, however you say it, imagine sitting in the congregation. And they're getting through, and Paul's like, and we have this, you know, this new citizenship in heaven, and Jesus is coming back, and he's going to transform our lowly bodies. And he says, all right, I plead with Alana, and I plead with Justin. Just get along, <laughs> right? Calling him out right in the middle, like, oh, my. Would you ever want to, like, duck and cover and run out of the room? Like this letter's being allowed, read aloud in front of the whole church. And Paul loved them enough to say, man, you got calling you up. Live up to what you've already attained. Like you're better than this. You're better than this. He didn't do a bunch of counseling. He didn't do like, okay, now let's hear your side of the story. He's like, no, come on, up, up, up. Come on, stand firm. This is how you stand firm, Right? Like, let the details work themselves out. Come on, be of the same mind. Grab a hold of what the Spirit of Jesus is doing in you. Have the same purpose. So we see this new guy coming along that we, Paul doesn't name, and he says, I ask you, my true companion, whoever that is, help these women. <laughs> Lordy, have mercy. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Help these women. What Paul is saying, whoever this guy is, whether it was Luke or whoever it was, he's saying, I want you to go in, and maybe if there's a little ironing out that needs to be done, I want you to help that, but this is a spiritual thing. I've already challenged those. I've pled with them to get along, but he's saying, help these women. We read in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. All of you guys have a mantle on your life to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, there's a difference. A peacekeeper is just willing to compromise a bunch of things so that we don't have any fighting. A peacemaker is willing to introduce the power of God into a situation. Call people up, say, come on, we're better than this. We don't have to live down here in this level. We can walk higher. Peacemakers bring in the presence of Jesus. Peacemakers say we got to deal with the hard stuff. Peacemakers are willing to set boundaries if we need to. Peacemakers are concerned about the love of Jesus, but we're going to introduce something that wasn't in the scenario, the peace and presence of Jesus. We're going to bring that into the, into the scenario. James 3.18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. One more, Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and builds each other up. My last quote for the day, and we're just about done. Ken Sandy says, peacemakers are people who breathe grace. They draw continually on the goodness and power of Jesus Christ, and then they bring his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his strength, and his wisdom to the conflicts of daily life. You guys are called to be peacemakers. All around you guys is a world that's slipping into chaos. Come on, we're, we're, on the, we're landing the plane. Hang with me. 
every day you guys are present in the middle of chaos and destruction and lives that are in turmoil, let's live up. Let's walk higher and let's carry something that we need to present into these situations where we can introduce peace, introduce the grace of God, introduce wisdom, introduce understanding, help people to unravel the chaos that's gripping hearts right now and speak life, speak life. Last slide, just to recap. So you're to be a peacemaker, working from here backwards. You're to have the same mind and purpose with other believers. You're to invest others for the prize, and you are to stand firm. I hope that we're leaving today with a challenge in our hearts. Like, which, which one of these is resonating with you today? Like, which, which one of these is speaking to the most deficit in your heart right now? Hopefully, this it's shining a flashlight maybe on some things that don't need to be there, some thoughts that I've had, some, some practices that I'm doing that just, just need to be cut out. You're permissed. Cut that stuff out. Just, okay, let's be, like, yeah, right, what's the big deal? Let's, all right, just repent is just that. Okay, we're done. Enough. Sorry, God, help me to change. That's it. Don't got to grovel for three weeks. You're not a worm. You're not, you're not worthless, right? God loves you. Just come on, step up, live up, stand firm. Be a peacemaker. Don't get sucked into stuff. Don't get drawn into stuff this week. Don't get pulled in. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't be blown over, but don't be arrogant either. You don't, don't need to be a jerk. Just stand firm. Be a peacemaker. Come on, just carry around that, that mantle of life-giving presence of Jesus. Amen? Doesn't that sound good? Man, if it was that easy, right? But that's the call, right? That's the challenge. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just bless these people with the ability to live up to the call that has been issued today, God, in your word. Philippians chapter 4 and chapter 3, God, and chapter 2. Lord, we're going to walk in this. We're going to live up, and we're going to stand firm. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.